Welcome to The Jay Martin Show. This is my weekly rant. At Louisiana State University, students can now choose between an indoor rock climbing wall, an inflatable obstacle course, or they can take a float down a 536-foot-long lazy river that snakes through the letters LSU, the university's initials. Now, LSU's water park is one of many bids that universities have made in order to compete in the $672 billion post-secondary education industry. So to provide context, if American post-secondary education was a country, it would have the 23rd largest GDP in the world ahead of Sweden, Thailand, Argentina, South Africa, and 168 more. Now, with tuitions often reaching as high as $60,000 per year, post-secondary education is now the first luxury experience that many Americans purchase. And universities are aware of this, and they are aggressively building country club-style accommodations for their prospective students. Now, at the ribbon-cutting of this $85 million Lazy River, LSU's president stated, we are here to give you everything you need, whatever we need to do to keep you here. Now, this water park was funded with student tuition, and when asked to defend this arguably questionable investment, the school administrators said, look, the students voted for it. So let me translate for you. The customer is always right. Now, the supply of diplomas has outpaced the demand and many universities have lost their utility, which used to be a path towards a high paying job. But since student loans are still cheap and readily accessible, universities are thinking outside the box to fill their pipeline. If the kids want an amusement park, for sure, build them an amusement park, all in the name of career development, right? Of course. But if universities losing touch with their original value proposition is a threat, this threat is compounded by their reliance on one of the most vulnerable bubbles in the world, student loan debt, which is now a $1.75 trillion bubble with a rapidly growing delinquency rate. Now, Washington think tank, the Brookings Institute, estimates this delinquency rate could climb as high as 40% in the next few years. So what happens in that scenario? Whether or not the hundreds of billions of dollars in delinquent loans are forgiven, the flow of money will become compromised and dry up. And this points me to what I believe will be a beautiful and very necessary implosion. An industry that has lost its direction, the public has lost confidence in the value, and now the revenue model is becoming compromised. Look, I watch the education system from a bit of a distance because my boys are too young for me to really have a horse in that race, but I see parallels, parallel problems in an industry that I am super excited about, and that industry is journalism. Now, Journalism used to be the business of gathering and distributing the news. Today, it is the business of attracting eyeballs to ads. They've lost their focus. Now, according to Edelman's trust barometer, for the first time ever, fewer than half Americans trust traditional media. In fact, 56% believe that journalists and reporters are intentionally trying to mislead people by saying things they know are false or gross exaggerations. No shocker to any viewers of my channel. But in addition, in order to respond to partisan divides, they're forced to join a team, right? Media platforms need to pick a team or be categorized as opposition sympathizers. It turns out, though, that people are onto this. And as a consequence, 58% of the public now understand that most news organizations are more concerned with supporting a political agenda than with informing the public. And as a consequence, there is well-written, intelligently argued journalism for every thinkable ideology complete with supportive statistics. So it's no wonder that I have close friends on each side of every hot button issue who are completely resolute in their belief that they are right. And anybody who disagrees with them must be a conspiracy theorist. 
because everybody thinks that their source is the good source, right? Now, look, I've interviewed over 300 money managers, serially successful entrepreneurs, world-renowned economists, politicians on my YouTube channel and my podcast, all who have achieved outsized success compared to their peers. Some absolute titans like David Rubenstein, the founder of the Carlyle Group, with over $300 billion in assets under management. Dr. Lacey Hunt, one of the world's most respected economists, and the 22nd Prime Minister of Canada who led the country through the 2008 financial crisis, Stephen Harper. And after hundreds of conversations, here's what I've learned. There is a distinct negative correlation between confidence and experience. Okay, let me explain. Those who are the most accomplished are often the least confident in their understanding of the world. It's interesting, you might expect the opposite. But in my experience, those who are completely unshakable in their belief are typically the least qualified to have an opinion. Now, journalism is facing the same issues as education. Universities intended to educate, but now they must entertain to stay relevant. Journalists intended to inform, but now they must seduce their readers by giving them more of what they want instead of what is true. Now, both are examples of dying corporate models. Their time has passed, but they're not going to go quietly through water slide parks or sensationally false news. They will both die fighting for one more minute of your time before fading into the history books. Now, I believe this creates a once in a generation opportunity for new models to be born and take over that lost territory. And therefore, I think we are entering the new golden age for independent journalism. The public is starving for information as we navigate unprecedented volatility, but there are very few platforms that can inform with trust. And I believe independent journalism will rule the day. But do you think I'm right? Are you an optimist like I am? Tell me.